This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Welcome, everyone, to the More Than Work podcast. We've been doing a whole series on what do followers look for in leaders, if we're going to be effective leaders at work, whether, and when I say leaders, by the way, I don't mean somebody who's just a boss, somebody who's in management. I mean, anybody who wants to influence other people. And if we're going to look for how do we influence other people, we need to know what other people are going to look for in a leader. How do they follow? So we've been following strengths-based leadership, which is one of Gallup's books on four different traits that people look for in a leader. And those four traits are trust, compassion, stability, and hope. We already did an episode on trust. We've already done an episode on compassion. And today we're going to do an episode on stability. And what does that mean? And why do followers follow leaders who show stability? So to kick us off, our own Matt Griswold has got a great client story to share. So Matt. Thanks, Don. I appreciate it. And this is a story that illustrates maybe a situation that you have been in previously, but it also illustrates, man, life change. Life change is one of those unstabilizing factors as well. And then how do we manage that as an organization? So we worked with a major manufacturing company. When I say major, they had three different plants that they worked in and the leadership, long story short, the leadership got together, ran some numbers on one of the plants that they had, and they made the tough decision that they needed to close this plant. Now, notice they did not get a a committee of employees at that time to be able to gather around and say, hey, hey guys, we're thinking about shutting the place down. How do you feel about that, right? They did not, they did not do that. They were, they got around the table, they ran the numbers, it just had to be done. However, what they did do is recognize one thing. And I, and honestly, I've never asked this question, but I would love to know who around that table had this thought because it's a great thought. I think a lot of times leadership say, nope, that's the decision. We've got to make it, tear the bandaid off. Let's go forward. But somebody around the table of this major manufacturing company said, listen, by doing this, we are about to change the lives of a lot of people. They wanted them to be able to continue to work there. But in order to do that, your commute was going to be an extra hour and a half or so round trip per day. So somebody around that table said, listen, by doing this, I recognize it's the best thing for the company, but it's also going to be a horrible situation for these people, our number one resource that we have. So how do we make sure that we do this well? Recognize that we have to do it. How do we do this well? And so they engaged us. And, and whenever they engaged us, they said, hey, we, we recognize this is not an ideal situation. We want to keep as many of these folks as we can. We know that it's going to be this unstabilizing factor, commutes, childcare, I mean, fuel expenses, the, some of them were, were lived right there. And so they asked us to be able to engage and say, okay, so how do we, how do, we do this well? And what we actually did, I thought was, was fantastic, if I say so myself, but I, I thought they handled it very well. Let's engage a group, a population of those employees whose life is about to be turned upside down here and say, hey, we recognize this is coming. We recognize this is not ideal. But we also recognize that, that you all are, are a great resource for the organization. So how do you help us do this well? See, I think the tendency for organizations in that case is I got to make the decision. I, I don't even want to tell them until the last possible second and then hope everything shakes out well. This was an example of an organization that recognizes stability is a huge factor in employees' lives that work through their career. They need to have that sense of stability. And as you might imagine, as word leaked out, 
there was a lack of stability. They're wondering, what's this mean for me? Like, do I have to go find another job or do they even want me at that point to continue to work there? I don't know. And, and you know, they're equating that. These, this is a whole other podcast, but they're equating those feelings to devalued and to a, I'm, now I'm, I have, I'm lacking engagement as an employee, but we were able to work with those folks recognizing, let's just call it what it is. This is a crappy situation, right? We recognize it, but help us do this well. How do we message it? How do you think people are going to react? What is it that, that might encourage you to want to stay? We asked all of those questions. And the end result was we were able to reveal the curtain just, just enough to be able to say, yes, most of the employees, it was something crazy, like 80% of them decided to stay with the company and just drive the extra commute. And several of them have promoted to different leadership positions because within that change, other opportunities happen at the same time. And so... Anyway, so the lack of stability, taking that situation, then being able to engage them, bring them closer to be more transparent with the communication was really, really valuable to provide some of that stability. Now I can make good decisions. So Matt, Matt I really like that story because I think what it highlights whenever, whenever you read that leaders need to bring stability, I think a lot of people read it and saying that they actually need to deliver stability, not the feeling of stability. Like in your right. story that you weren't, the leaders weren't bringing stability. The leaders were bringing the opposite of stability. They were bringing disruption, but they were able to do it in a way that helped to feel, help their people feel a little bit more stable. So there's a right. distinction there. And I like that. I, I think stability, and this is maybe something that's going to be hard for some people to grab a hold of. Same thing that we've had with the trust and the compassion. Hope is going to be next time. But a lot of these words have feeling. Like we feel trust, we feel compassion, we feel hope. And today with stability, we have different levers that help us feel as employees stable, right? If we went around the, and we're gonna do that now, so you all should be prepared. By the way, we talk about this stuff ahead of time. So we all should be prepared with fantastic answers right now about our stability factors, right? So what what is it that makes one person stable over another? And I'll, I'll start just so we can kind of get an idea of this activity. And if you're listening, no matter where you are in the world right now, listening to this, you can kind of think about, okay, what are those things that maybe I've never put thought into, but I do desire internally that make me feel stable in my job. And for me, for us as people centric, it's just, you know, one of the stabilizing factors is we have good client participation, good client load that's, that's there, which means that there is a tomorrow, right? That we have other people that we can make a positive impact on. And there's, that's a stabilizing factor. Also communication, just being communicated with similar to the story that we just heard there with the manufacturing company where they had an option. They didn't have to say anything. They could have just shut it. And you know what, we're going to cut our losses and go forward. They might not have even liked it but they might've just said, that's the cost of doing business, right? We had to make a tough decision. That's part of being a leader, you know, those things. But I think being able to be proactively communicated with saying, you know, even if the situation is cruddy, here we are, uh, this is what we know. I don't have all the answers yet, but this is what we know. I'll keep you posted. And then finally, for me, it's voiced support too, I think is another one of those, One of, you know, sometimes I just need Diana to tell me that I'm doing good things and that I'm working hard or whatever, you know, and maybe she is pandering. I don't know. But for me, voice support is one of those, okay, it feels stable. I have the trust of, of the people or, you know, my bosses or whatever that looks like. And I think that is one of those critical things for me, understand, you know, to make me feel stable. Uh, and we'll talk about the impact of that as we go forward, but who'd like to share next? What are your stabilizing factors, your stability factors? What do you need? I know one of mine, I echo all of yours. I think all of those definitely help make me feel stable, but one of mine is also routine. 
I am a creature of habit and I really like having some routine. It doesn't mean that every day is going to be the same, but I like sort of knowing what each day looks like before I jump into it. I'm definitely the person who enjoys the known and not so much the unknown. So part of that is communication and part of that is understanding what's happening on a day-to-day basis. Part of that is transparency, but that routine type work, I really enjoy it. And it helps me feel like everything is okay as long as we have a routine. Cause I feel like yeah. when it gets crazy and chaotic is when I feel unstable. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's no right. routine, nothing stable anymore. Which you just basically define 2020. Right. Yes, so here. routine is one of your stabilizing <laughs> factors. I mean, we we you know there was very little routine that was able to happen. It was a very reactionary year instead of a proactively being able to forecast kind of a year there too. So, yeah, that's tough. We can talk more about that uh, as we go forward. Bethany, what about you? I think for me, there's a level of flexibility that I actually need. So on the reverse of like, I do like routine to an extent, but I also like flexibility. And there's a stability factor there for me because I think about things like I am always thinking about like, how am I going to take care of my family? Thinking about like, am I available to step away if I need to like go handle something for my kids or for my husband or something like that? And I want to be able to have that. And so there's a level of stability there of if that's threatened, then I feel, then that feels really hard for me. So, and in addition to like making sure I, you know, I remember like having this conversation when I first started at People Centric too of the childcare conversation of like, and that had to be something that I had to think about was, do I have, do I have what I need to help take care of my kids and make sure that they're put into childcare? And I have the amount of money that I need to do that and also getting them there and all of those different conversations. So that's something that's high on my, on my mind. We talked about it before we hopped onto this too, but it's that time to prepare and process information is really important for me in creating stability because otherwise there's this like level of stress that okay, I don't always function well under that. We mentioned, we were, we were joking about this too earlier, some about like when people listen to me, but, but truly like when clients listen to me or not, right? Like if my, if clients aren't listening to me, then that's a struggle as well. And then I think the last thing that I put here was sort of just like knowing where I fit into the organization and having that stability of understanding where everybody's role within the organization and how do we all contribute to the bigger picture. That's great, Don. Bethany, another one I think that you probably have is people listening to you is really making sure they listen and hear what you say. Oh, that's first probably one. Yeah. I, was, I was just gonna say, like, as our boss, Don, I hope you're listening to all of these things because we that's are. That's my next question. That's stuff. where we're going. That's where we're going, Diana. I, I, I am, and you know, it is an interesting exercise. As I guess, as the boss here is listening to this and thinking, yeah, I, I don't think anything you've said surprises me. But it is interesting how it is different for all people, which I guess is why we're, you know, why we're presenting it this way is as a boss, you have to get to know your people, which means you have to talk to them, side note, and, and listen to them, Bethany, because it's one of the things that you said that was important. So that's, it's important too for everybody. I think for mine, I think that one of them just being an entrepreneur is, is the financial stability is a piece mm-hmm. for me. I don't need to always know where my next paycheck is coming, but I definitely feel less safe or unstable if I can't buy something that is out there. It doesn't have to be something major, but that's something that, 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 that can be disruptive for me. I can remember when I was making the transition to business and I had a super tight budget. I remember one time, like I was going to go to grab lunch really quickly or something like that. And it was like, I really should, like, I, I shouldn't, 
Like I shouldn't go out to lunch. Like just basic, like I can't even run through Taco Bell. I can't afford Taco Bell right now. And I remember feeling a little bit like I feel unstable. I feel unstable right now. I can't go through Taco Bell. Then I think another one for me that's a little bit interesting is I think my environment actually stabilizes me a little bit. When we travel and things, I, I like to travel. I like to do that. But I always kind of look for a place like, like when we first get to the hotel, I always feel good or to the client's location. I almost need to nest a little bit. Like I need to know where I'm at. What's the location like here? This is our home base of operation. Like I feel really good for that. Same thing as like home or the office or things. It's like, I've got spots that I get more comfortable in. It's kind of, I don't know if that's quirky or not, but I, I feel that way. I would have never said that about myself, but when you say it, like I didn't think of it, but I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I'm the same way. That made me think too. And I know we've had this conversation as well. Like I think another one for me is, and we would probably keep going around the circle and do this all day, but thinking about like, just knowing people, like you're talking about like knowing your environment. And for me, it's okay. Knowing my environment is helpful, but also like knowing the people in the room is really helpful as well. At least having some kind of familiarity. We're a tight knit team. And I think we all learned a little bit about each other just by doing this. So can you imagine teams who haven't ever had conversations like this or talked about stuff like this, how impactful that would be for them? I'm also picturing the poor supervisor who's listening right now. Who's like, I have 20 employees. How the heck am I supposed to learn all the different nuances of all the different folks out here on my team uh, and to how to, how to help, how am I supposed to provide for their stability? This is, this is, you know, and that, and that kind of leads me to an additional thought there as well, Don. I'm speak, I get to speak for Publishing Association here coming up in just a few weeks. And one of the things that they've asked me to speak about is managing different personalities, both in person and then remote, remotely. And we use this managing different personalities, personality styles, communication styles. But I think this understanding the stability factors too of your employees goes right into, man, how do I manage that? It's not a, it's not a template that you just say, oh, this, is, this works for everybody. Not necessarily. I mean, Diana is very routine, she said. I am not. I, I do like the flexibility Bethany had talked about there too. And I do like a blank canvas just to be able to color it, whatever colors I want to color it at that time, whatever feels good at that time. That's what we need to, that's what we need to do. But let's take this the next step, Don. So you're saying, okay, so if I'm that manager going, I have 20 people, how, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, how do I, how do I use this information? So if I'm a manager and I'm listening to this, I like this, but how do I use it? So I ask people about their feelings. How do they feel about this? But then where's the action item with that? I don't know. What would we say? And this is not one that we rehearsed a pre uh, question that we talked about, but it's where we're going. Blank canvas. Here's the color, right? How do I use this information, you know, based on the activity that we just did? Don, what do you think? I think it's a good question. And I, I imagine some people are feeling a little overwhelmed right now listening and, and that's, that's natural and it's okay. And so let me provide some stability for you and say, you don't have to know all of the nuances of all the people that work for you. But here's a couple of tips for you is number one, we, we, there was a study that was done that we quote a lot that showed that 69% of supervisors have trouble talking to their employees about anything, anything yeah. in general, any topic. So a lot of supervisors, and we see this a lot, just don't have a lot of conversations with their employees. They don't have the casual convert. They're very, very um, transactional in the conversations that they have with their employees. And that does not give you a place to pick up on what an individual person's 
triggers are, what they need from you. So my, what first tip is talk to your people, like spend some time to get to know them, get to get to know a little bit about what they need. And I don't think you should be above necessarily even making notes about that for yourself, like help yourself. If you've got 20 direct reports, make notes that this person kind of needs this. And there's a little bit of an insight here and all those kinds of details. So that's, that's tip number one. Tip number two might to take some pressure off. I don't think you need to remember everything that all of your employees need if you are listening and watching your people as you're working with them. If I, if Diana and I are working together and Diana, I start to notice Diana feels uncomfortable, then I might notice that it might be because a stability thing is being questioned or it might be, or she's missing something. What I need to do is take that observation and engage an expert in why Diana is not feeling good about the situation. And that would be Diana. And I need to be able to say, you know, Diana, it looks like you're a little uncomfortable in this situation. Could you talk to me a little bit about what it is? And then maybe we can work together to unpack it. So you don't have to be an expert at what your employees are thinking. You already have experts and that's your employees individually. So if you watch for signals from them and you watch for, hey, I feel uncomfortable or I'm unstable or I'm not, I don't, not happy in the situation, then you can engage that, engage your employee and you can work together to try to solve that. Yeah, I think one of the I think one of the things that people maybe want to hear too is is that you're not necessarily in charge of how somebody else feels or reacts. I think that's probably, you know, we just got done saying, yeah, you need to identify that and then maybe take care of or at least be aware of that, but you're not necessarily in charge of how they react or feel at the same time. And so let me let me, you know, remove some of that weight off of off of you as well. Don, you were going to say something? Yeah, that's, I just think that's a really important point. Um, you can only control what you do as a leader. You can't control how other people react to it or what they do. Now, right. You can do things that get better reactions than others and you can learn from it, but it's, it goes back to what you do as well. And I think to add on to that, I don't think it, again, there's a difference between somebody feeling stability and getting stability. Yeah. And it's a difference. And I think most people, again, just because we're humans, we want to solve problems. I want to provide stability. I want to create all the things that you all need all the time. Take some of that pressure off yourself. It's really not, that's not the type of leader that they're looking to follow. It's not like I'm going to show up to your, you know, Matt, you need more communication. So I'm just going to call you more frequently because that's going to help us. No, I think part of that is having the conversation with each other and saying, how do we work together so that you can feel more stable? You know, it's, it's about feeling stable, not just bringing the stability that there's a difference in that. It's a nuance. It's subtle. But what it does is it takes a little bit off of the plate of the leader and says, no, as a follower, like that's, this is some of this is on you as well. So I, I think that's, I think that's interesting. This is where a lot of managers might be going, dang, managing's hard. I know I get it. Like, it's not just about, about you, right? You have to have that mentality of, I need, I have this group of people that I need to also lead and care for. But I also want to point out too, I mean, uh, just because, you know, financial there is under Don's list and, and environment is under Don's list, it's not necessarily under my list, but I need to be aware that it is. And here's the other part, like I care also, you know, I care about those things too. So just because something's not on a list doesn't mean that I necessarily care. I need to be aware and I maybe need to be sensitive to that, especially because there's a big impact if we just glaze over this. If I am doing my best to break up Diana's routine, which I probably do that on a regular basis, Diana, sorry about that. Uh, but, but, it, but it's for the good of the company. But, it, but if I'm doing my best to be able to, to, to disrupt that, then I probably need to, okay, let, what are the guardrails or the you know, confinements that they want to uh, work within there? But let's ask this question because I might be seeing a team of people or a manager going, mm, I don't think we struggle with this. 
But I think you would see some obvious signs that maybe you're blind to potentially, maybe you're stuck in a paradigm to where this is how it is. This is how work is all the time. But what might I see from my people that maybe shows instability? Like we just talked about what we hear, but what might I see from somebody who is out of that? They're, they're not stable. They're on rocky, rocky terrain right now. How might you visually see the impact of that instability? Well, you just said it, I think. I mean, visually see, right? I think that's a, that's a clue to this. You know, we often talk about communication and how we communicate with each other, not just by what we say, but by how we look, by how we act, all of those different things. You can't not communicate with each other. So you should be picking up signals. Like you'll see people maybe making mistakes that they don't normally make. That's one. You might see some nonverbal, just uncomfortableness. Somebody who might usually be good natured might suddenly not be so good natured. You might just see people get stressed. And, and I think it, it's funny, as unique as everyone's own triggers are for stability, their responses might also be unique, right? In terms of what's out there. Some people might joke around more. Some people might go quiet. Some people, but you're just looking for changes, I think, in behavior from folks. And, that you, and then you have to engage and figure out what's going on. I think a couple of other maybe specific ways that I'm thinking of are are just the conversations of specifically when we're thinking about financial of just the conversation of people asking about pay or being unhappy with their with their paycheck or wanting raises or that's just like a constant thing that keeps coming up i think that's one thing and another thing i think is maybe even interjecting themselves in areas that they don't need to as a sense of i think people trying to find ways to control situations is a way that you might observe instability because I think it's people trying to step in and take control of the situation instead of allowing their leaders to do it. And I think as a leader, you might start to look at that and just assume the worst about them, worst thing about them and just think like, man, they're super ungrateful. Why aren't they grateful for their pay? Or why do they keep doing this? Do they think they're better than everybody else? Or whatever it might be, when really the need might be something else. There might, there might be this feeling of just instability and in them not feeling safe because, for example, with your paycheck, okay, sure, maybe you do think you need to get paid more, but what's really causing that? Is there something else happening in your life that's making you feel like you don't have what you need? Or are you controlling the situation and trying to interject yourself because you're questioning your own value within the organization or whatever it might be? I think that that, that can be shown in those ways as well. Yeah, I just want to vote. So yeah. I don't know if this is a good time to bring it up or not, but I just want to vote. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Noted. Watch, like me, wa watch me write this down. <laughs> so, 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 you know what, actually, Matt, you know what, that's a really good example. So like you just said, like, I want a boat. Then leaders, here's the mistake that we can make as leader. Like, crap, Matt just asked me for a boat. Like, I have to find out how to buy Matt a boat now. That's ridiculous. Why well, am I going to find money for a boat? Like we're going to, okay, well, I got to go put, we, Diana put a boat in the budget because Matt wants a boat, right? Like Pontoon. Pontoon, a pontoon boat. Great. <laughs> Great. Or I could react a different way because I don't think what we need is the, for the leader to provide us the stability. We need them to acknowledge the stability, yeah. which is different. So what, what I could react to Matt and say, Matt, I want you to have a boat too. I would love for you to have a boat because I think I probably, I think maybe once a weekend or something, maybe twice a weekend, we'd let me come down and hang out on the boat with you. Everybody's How can welcome. we get you a boat oh, twice a weekend? Yeah. yeah. Twice a weekend. Oh, well, no. I got to go back to my home base because I like that stability piece, but then I can come back to the boat and it could be my yeah. safe place. Or if an employee comes to you and says like, I want a raise, like a, a really good example is like, I want to give you a raise. This is good news. 
we're on the same page here. I also want to give you a raise. What can we do to make the company more successful so that we can make more money so that we can do that? That's, I think, what, like, we're, we're together on this. I think that is a great example of how, you, how leaders can provide stability. I like that. So you engage them to be a part of that solution at the same time. Or you could buy the company boat and we can just check it out. It's just another option. But no what were you going to say, Diana? Boat, no, no company. company. <laughs> so I'm just going to. We did. Hey, this is, this is true. We did, we did recently speak to a different organization that they, they were trying to incentivize, maybe neither here nor there, but they're like, we will buy a Ferrari and put it in the, in the parking lot. And if you guys hit certain, whatever, like you can, if we hit a certain threshold, we'll buy a Ferrari. It's in the parking lot. You can check it out for the day. Just come get it. And that still didn't necessarily even work to incentivize them. So you're right. It's not necessarily about the thing. It's, it's probably more about, about that communication and then feeling like you're a part of that solution too. You might not be great at identifying individuals and how they recognize stability, but you can definitely know when there are events that cause instability and how you need to be more sensitive around those times, right? If somebody has some healthcare issues, if the company is going through a merger or an acquisition or new leadership change or the end of a product line or service, right? There's so many different situations that might make people feel uncomfortable and unstable. And I think even just recognizing those situations can help you determine what you need to do next. Yeah. And again, I mean, the, the situations that you just talked about, three of those things we've literally helped other organizations with in the last 12 months. Like the, those 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 different mergers and buyouts and CEO change of hands and like all of those things produce instability. So how do we draw them closer, make them a part of it? Not necessarily on the decision. Should we get a new CEO? Should we not get a new, you know, but that decision's already been made. Now, how do we draw them closer at that time to be able to provide stability? You know, Don. I think that a key to that, I don't know if you're actually asking that question, but I like, I, I love these examples and the directions that we're going here. And again, I think you have to start by saying a lot of those examples that Diana brought up, I think you just have to start by embracing the suck as Renee, uh, as Renee Brown would say, it's this idea of, you know, wow, that's awful. Like, I'm sorry that you're going through that. What can we do together to help you get through this? You're just acknowledging that as a big first step. And I think that directly ties to our last podcast on compassion, right? You have to have all of these traits in place for leaders to be really super effective. And so it, they all build on each other. Yeah. You know, we're, we even talk about, uh, you know, we talked about this briefly uh, before the podcast started recording there about even, even the body language, how do I visually see the instability? And I used kind of this analogy of walking across rocky terrain or downhill rocky terrain, trying to get to a place like your whole body changes. Like you're, you're, you're careful about where you're stepping and your, your arms are out just trying to maintain your balance. And you can kind of visually see that how that translates to an employee if they are unstable unstable they're not having that stability that they need these boxes aren't don't feel like that they're necessarily being checked you probably do has a, have a hesitant employee that maybe not wanting to raise their hand to, to take on additional project even though it's a great project fits their needs fits their strengths would help us they might not even volunteer for that because they don't have other boxes checked first like they need to get everything corralled in their own world. You know, they might not be uh, willing, willing to uh, help. They might lash out uncharacteristically, those types of things. But that's, if you can kind of see the body image of somebody trying to maneuver a, like a ropes course or something where it's completely unstable, everything is calculated. Everything is, is hesitant. And I don't know, you know, if, and I'm not saying, 
well, sometimes we deliver hard truth. Sometimes you, if you're listening as managers and leaders, you're doing this to your people and you have no idea that you're doing it. And I would encourage you to kind of lift up your head just a little bit and look around and see the body language and hear your people. And, you know, if you're the leader that's going, you know, they have a job to do, I have a job to do. It's not my, my, my place. You just said, I don't have to care for how they react to a certain situation. Right. But some of us are bringing this on ourselves and we have no idea why, but we blame the employee for the reaction instead of the accountability that you as a manager needs to have over the people that are, are interested to you. So that's a done. that's a great point, Matt, because we've been talking so far about like, how do you help the employees to feel more stable? But, you know, the other side of that is how do you as a leader not bring instability that you don't need to bring in? Now, there's times where we do need to we need to make changes. Right. And some of those changes are going to threaten people a little bit. It moves people's cheese a little bit, as the saying goes. But the idea of not bringing unnecessary instability, I know I, one that I know that I've done multiple times to our team is I'm a big idea person. And so sometimes I'll bring like, hey, I was thinking about we should do this. We should go do this, this, and this, and this. I learned, you know, working, Diana and I have worked together a long time. I learned that if I don't give context for where that idea comes from, if I bring too many ideas, Diana's going to start thinking about, okay, I got to execute that. How are we going to execute that? And I can really take away from Diana's routine and threaten that. So I have to be careful about how we do that. So we created some language a little bit around it, especially Diana and I use it a lot where green light, yellow light, red light, like here's an idea, but it's red light. Like I just saw this thing out here. We just had a recent conversation around some software that we both saw. And I, I, I fell in love with this new piece of software. I just think it's fantastic. I still think it's great. You guys will love it when we launch this thing. But I just showed it to Diana and said, like, look, red light, but look at this. Look at this. Look how awesome this is and see what this looks like. So she knows that her safety is not threatened. It's not, hey, so we're implementing this by tomorrow and figure out how to do it. Right. That, that wasn't my intent. Sometimes we have to do stuff like that, right? Sometimes you as a leader are going to come in and say, we have to change this. Everybody scramble. Let's do this. And I need to disrupt you. But just be careful that you don't do it unnecessarily. All right. And that's probably a great segue to be able to go around the table here. And what are some of those takeaways that we might encourage managers or leaders to do or implement uh, to be able to help either identify stability or provide stability for their team or themselves, by the way? What's if, if we were trying to give them those managers sometimes might feel like, well, who's going to do this for me? Like, is there always me? No, not necessarily. You know, so what, what's your tip? What's your takeaway here around the stability conversation? For me, it's communicate. I think every time people start to feel unstable or unsteady, communication helps in all of those situations. And I think what we really focused on when you know, last year when everything was really unstable was let's just over communicate. Let's not, not communicate. Let's communicate too much. And I think that helps give everyone at least a feeling of stability, even if it is unstable, at least you're talking about it. So yeah. mine is just keep talking over communicate. Yeah. I'm going to piggyback on Diana's there because she just promptly stole my Mine, but I think I'll add to that though, too. As far as communication, what I, what I would say is even if you don't know the answer, communicate it. Tell them something. Say something. Do something. If the answer is, I don't know, then tell them, I don't know. You know, and I think that's, I think people are on board with communicating as long as I have all my ducks in a row and I know the answer, but where, we, where it gets fuzzy is, I don't know the answer. So what am I supposed to tell them? Tell them you don't know the answer. But I know that together we're a pretty strong team and, and I, I would love to hear your thoughts or ideas of, of how we're going to manage this too. So tell them something. 
it would be my tip too. Yeah, I think that's, I, those are great, by the way. I, that's some really, really powerful advice there. I just think as a leader, a lot of times we think of the things that we say to other people and that we drive other people forward with. I think just as a leader, I think great leaders listen to. They, they let it flow the other way. They're always open to feedback that they're getting. They're watching how other people react and, and engaging the people that, they, that work with them uh, to try to solve problems. I think it's, it's working together. Uh, it's not about you solving the problems. It really isn't. That, that's, that's the, I think that's the number one mistake that people make is that it's, I'm a leader, so I need to solve all your problems. I think it's actually a mistake that you solve all the problems. Real good leaders do a good job of saying, yeah, that is a problem that's out there. What can we do together to solve that and then help frame it? I think that's, I think stability is great. Um, so Don talked a little bit earlier about just kind of checking in with people, I think, and engaging the person who is the expert on, oh, you you know, it seems like that person is feeling a little unstable. So I think I would probably say like, if you, if you are observing that, have those conversations and, and ask the questions of, hey, it seems like something's off or you're feeling unstable or something like that. What's causing that? Because I think it's like we were talking about earlier, like, I don't think it's always that surface level Thing that you might think of, okay, you're asking, you you seem to be really concerned about pay right now. What's going on? Is there, can we talk through that a little bit more? What's causing that? And and then determine how to move forward. All right. Great. Don, Matt, do you need to live in the boat? Do you need to live in the boat? Is that what you're worried about? Is that why you need a boat, Matt? Only on the weekends. Just live Only in the boat on the weekends. I was going to say, I bet his wife would love it to just be able to be like, go to the boat. Oh, she would. She'd be. She would offer to go to the boat. You stay here, and I'll go to the boat. That's, that's an RV. Remember. You could do that. Just go to the RV. I don't right? hate yeah. the idea. I did, I don't hate. I'm not gonna lie. I don't hate the idea. Like so, maybe what that could be one of the goals that we set is to get a boat. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, here it is. Diana could fly in and use it whenever she wants to. We, or a we, cabin. Could we do a cabin? We could. Well, you have to have a place to park the boat. So yeah. you need a dock, and you probably need a cabin near the dock. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're on to something here. I like the direction. Maybe this is our next podcast. <laughs> Speaking of our next podcast, we uh, strengths-based leadership here. We did, you know, the trust. We've talked about compassion today. We were talking about stability. Don, what's next? Well, I hope that you join us for our next topic, which is going to be hope. It's going to be hope. We're going to talk about what is the what is hope first of all, because hope is not something that you think about as a leader very often. You're like, well, I. I'm going to, I'm going to share hope with my people. That sounds like you have to be suddenly inspirational and strange, but it's not, it's, we're going to talk a little bit about how do you provide hope as a leader? Yeah. And I think for some people, it's like, mm, if I'm living on hope, then I am unstable. Like this is all connecting together. Right. So we'll talk more about that next time. It's like, I have hope all the time. I hope my people show up to work on time tomorrow. <laughs> right. I hope I make this sale. I hope they love me. The yeah, realist the, in me is like, you better get some results towards that hope because <laughs> don't care. You can hope in one hand. Wait a second. Right. How's that go? Like, okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I appreciate your time. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well.